0: Hi, this is Timothy Pig, and I want to welcome you to Text Driven Podcast, a podcast put out by the Ministry of Fellowship Church in Southwest Florida. Text Driven Podcasts exist to equip you to know God and make Him known through text-driven preaching and practice. To learn more about Fellowship Church, visit our website, fellowshipchurch.co. this episode of texture and Podcast, we're going to continue looking at Edward T. Welch's book, When People Are Big and God Is Small. And we've kind of come to the end of the book. We, we've walked through the first 10 chapters of this book, seeing how God is to be big in our lives. In the last episode, we talked about what it means to have a big uh, theology of God or to have a big God theology. And, and what that meant was, Our God is big enough to handle any of the issues that are going to come about in our lives. Uh, There is no issue that is bigger than God. There's nothing that you're going to go through in your marriage that God is not big enough to handle. Uh, There's nothing that you're going to go through in raising your children that your God's not big enough to handle. Even even for your kids, uh, the things that they're going to go through maybe this summer with friendships or uh, next year at school, with certain tests or grades and subject matters, or classmates or teachers, none of those things are going to be so big that God is not able to work them out for your child's good and for His ultimate glory. The same is true even for our jobs. Uh, there's nothing that you're going to go through in your job uh, that is going to be so big that God cannot handle. Our God is a big God, and because of how big he is and how great and mighty and powerful and awesome that he is, majestic and glorious that he is, everything else is small. So as we come to the end of Welch's book and looking at how to have a text-driven life as it applies to uh, fearing God and seeing God as big compared to seeing others as big in our life, we get to this last topic, and it's the topic of love. Now, we have begun uh, looking all throughout this book. We've been studying this idea of the the fear of God over the fear of man, and we get to the spot where it becomes... Now time to put that into practice. And what Welch does in chapters 11 and 12 is he explains to us the roles that people actually do play in our lives. What are people uh, meant to do in our lives? How do we respond to people? What are the different categories of people in our life? And that's what we're gonna look at in this episode. We're gonna uh, dive into the topic of how people help us live out the fear of God in our lives. Now, here are uh, what Welch deals with. If you've got a book, go to page 182 and he summarizes how we typically view people in our lives. Okay. So on page 182, that second paragraph that begins with the Bible summarizes, this is what he says. The Bible summarizes these various shapes this way. People are our cherished idols. We worship them, hoping they will take care of us, hoping they will give us what we feel we need. What we really need are biblical shapes and identities for other people. Then instead of needing people to fill our desires, we can love people for the sake of God's glory and fulfill the purpose for which we were created. Now, Welch explains how this is probably the hardest step in developing a fear of God. And it's the hardest step because we understand in our minds, intellectually, what? We're supposed to love. We're supposed to care for people. We're we're supposed to demonstrate the love of God to people. We understand that in our minds, but now that has to move beyond our minds, beyond uh, our intellect, into our actions, To to truly fear God is to truly love people. Listen to what Welch says on page 182. He says, loving others makes life less comfortable. It means that I give up my own agenda for a Saturday morning in order to help a neighbor. It means that I get hurt more when someone moves away. It means that people stay at our house when I would prefer to be surrounded with just my immediate family. See, when we resolve to actually love people, not just know about love, but practice love, it will cause us to rely on the Lord and not ourselves. So here's kind of his goal for this 11th and 12th chapter. Listen to what he says on page 183. We are to need other people less and love other people more out of obedience to christ and as a response to his love towards you we should pursue others in love so what i want to do for the rest of this episode is i want to talk about who god calls us to love all people can be categorized in one of these three ways one people are our enemies two people are our neighbors, or three, people are our family. So let's talk about these three categories. Let's first talk about the probably the most difficult, our enemies. Uh, the Bible talks about people in our lives being enemies. Uh, Welch defines an enemy as this. He says on page 183 under the heading of enemies, he says, people can be enemies. They can be consistently against us. They can plot our destruction and be committed to shaming and disgracing us. Now, you might already be thinking of somebody right now who fits that description. The Bible would call them your enemy. Psalm 55 verses 12 through 13 describes an enemy. It says, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. And this is where enemies become extremely painful because an enemy can be somebody that, that you are really close to, that you were vulnerable with, that you shared your life with. And then all of a sudden there was a change in that person. And now they're seeking out your disgrace and looking to tear you down. Now, we know the the great enemy in Jesus's life and someone that he pulled close that probably Psalm 55 verses 12 through 13 is speaking about is Judas. I mean, Judas and Jesus, they spent days and hours together and Judas betrayed Jesus. So how do we respond to an enemy? How do we respond to a person who is set on our destruction? Well, for one, uh, the Bible calls us to love our enemies. Love our enemies. If you have a Bible, go to Matthew chapter five, verse 44. Okay, Matthew chapter five, verse 44. And the Bible calls us that when we have enemies in our lives, it tells us that we need to love them. And in the Sermon on the Mount, listen to what Jesus said. He says in verse 44, But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Now, can we be honest with each other? That's not what we want to do with someone who's seeking our destruction. We do not want to love them. We do not want to pray for them. We want to get even. If they're trying to destroy us, we want to destroy them. What the Bible is calling us to do is to not worry about getting even. The Bible is calling us to love them. The Bible is calling us to turn that person over to the Lord so that we can love them. We're not worried about getting even with them. We're not worried about getting our way. What we are concerned about with is showing that individual the love of Christ, and we pray for them. What do we pray occurs? We don't pray for their destruction. That's selfish. We pray for their salvation. We pray that, that they will develop a love for God. Because their desire for uh, to, to destroy you is because in their heart is full of hate. It's full of wickedness. And the Bible calls us to love our enemies. But then the second category of people that we are called to uh, love is our neighbor. Now, a neighbor is not someone who is an enemy, and they're not someone who is... Uh, a brother or sister family. Your neighbor is a person who truly is not caused you any harm. Uh, they might be your physical next door neighbor, but it, it's a person who's not part of the family that you have interactions with. This could be maybe your boss. This could be a co-worker. This could be the person that you see at the grocery store. This could be the person you see at the mall. Uh, This could be the parents of the child who plays in Little League with your kid or that is in a school activity uh, with your family. This is who our neighbor is. And the Bible tells us how we are to love our neighbors. Take your Bible and go to Luke chapter 10 and Jesus gives a parable about loving our neighbor. And in Luke chapter 10, uh, Jesus says, Uh, begins in verse 25. Behold, a lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. And then the lawyer asked him this question, who, in verse 29, is my neighbor? So you notice this. God, uh, the, the lawyer wants to know who is my neighbor. God, if the way that I go to heaven is by loving my neighbor, then I want to make sure that I'm doing that correctly because I want to love my neighbor. So Jesus tells him a parable. Beginning in verse 30, Luke chapter 10, Jesus replied... pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when you come back. Now, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So what's Jesus teaching us about who our neighbor is? Our neighbor is any person who is in need of the mercy and the grace of God. And see, this is what loving our neighbor means is that we are living on mission. To love your neighbor is to live on mission. Now at Fellowship Church, we say living on mission is making Jesus known. That's what it means to love your neighbor. If you truly are loving your neighbor, then when you go to the uh, youth sports practice, whether it be Pop Warner football or Little League or a soccer game, and you're sitting next to that parent, to love that parent who is your neighbor is to make Jesus known to that parent. Uh, If you're at a school function and it's a school play and you're sitting next to a parent whose kid is also in in the school play or in the school band, to love that person is to make Jesus known to that individual. So to love your neighbor is to be a witness for Jesus. Uh, If you're truly going to love your next door neighbor, it's to share the gospel with your next door neighbor. To truly love the cashier, to truly love the, the fast food attendant, to truly love the gas station worker, to truly love our neighbor is to share the gospel with the people around us. So we're called to love our enemies, pray for their salvation. We're called to love our neighbor, make Jesus known to the people around us who aren't Christians then finally, the Bible calls us to love our family. Now, what does he mean by family? What does does the Bible mean by family? Well, we know in John chapter 1, to all who believe on Jesus, we have been now called children of God. So our family is not necessarily a statement of biology in the sense of uh, our siblings we grew up with, our mom and dad. But our family becomes those who are fellow Christians with us. And the Bible calls us to love our family, love the other brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, what does that look like? Jesus explains what that looks like uh, and really the final moments of his life in John chapter 13. I'll kind of set the picture for you of what's happening in John 13 and what it means to love our family. At the beginning of John 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. This was the act that was done of a servant. Uh, A servant would typically, when they came into the house and they're reclining at the table, the servant would come with a water basin and a towel and would wash the feet of all of those dinner guests. Well, Jesus gets up from the table and he assumes the role of a servant. He grabs the water basin, he grabs a towel, he ties it around his waist, and he goes to each of the disciples and he washes their feet. He's serving them. And then you get to verse 31 of this same scene. So Jesus has just watched all the disciples' feet. And in John chapter 13, verse 31, listen to what it says. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me just as I have said to the Jews. So now also I say to you where I'm going, you cannot come. But a new commandment I give to you that you love One another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, what's Jesus saying here? How is He defining love? He's defining love by serving each other. Just as Jesus got up from the table and He washed the feet of the disciples. He took on the the role of a servant. And just how in a few more hours, Jesus is going to be uh, the servant who dies in our place. We are to love one another. Uh, So let me ask you a question. Do you love your church family? Are you part of a church family? It is impossible to love your family Love your brothers and sisters in Christ if you are not part of a church. I want to encourage you to be part of a church. And once you join that church, and once you're part of a church, I want to encourage you strongly to love the people in that church. Love your pastor. Pray for your pastor. Ask your pastors at your church how you can serve them. Ask somebody on Sunday, hey, how can I serve you today? What can I, what can I do for you today? Uh, maybe you see a mom whose kids are out for the summer and you're retiring. Maybe you can offer to go over there to the house and say, you know what, mom? You go and have a wonderful day. I'll babysit your kids for the afternoon. What would it look like for you to pick up the water basin? Put the towel around your waist and serve your family. When we love the people around us, whether they be our enemies, our neighbor, or our church family, we will be living out what it means to fear God. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, today. And if there's um, one thing I want you to know is that we desire at Fellowship Church for you to live a text-driven life. And if you'd like to know more about the ministries of Fellowship Church, I encourage you to visit our website, www.fellowshipchurch.co, where you can find more resources just like this one so that you can live a text-driven life. Until we, next time on Text-Driven Podcast, I hope that you will continue to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And make sure you're also loving the people around you, whether they're your enemies, your neighbors, or your church family. Hey, God bless you. I look forward to being with you soon on another episode of Text Driven Podcast.